Hey everybody, Greg Mahachko here, just with a quick word of warning. We had an unknown technical issue that I didn't realize until I was working on getting the podcast produced and ready uh, for you. We missed about the first 10 minutes of uh, the show, so it's unfortunate because John was uh, regaling us with the stories of the 1991 football team and leading into 1992, and uh, the topic of this week's show, which is the 1992 Nebraska-Colorado game uh, on Halloween, uh, October 31st, obviously, Memorial Stadium. And uh, John was really poetic, uh, and it's, you know, poetic for John. And it it was uh, some good stuff, great memories that he was sharing with us, and it's unfortunate that that, uh, the, the first 10 minutes are just lost forever, so... Uh, we apologize. We're not going to let that happen again, but we hope that you stick around and enjoy what is still a very good Five Heart Podcast. Heart. you got to have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. And we're all thinking, wow, this is going to be a barn burner game, and then something really fun happens. You can go from here, Haas. I'll have a Guinness. Well, first uh, first drive of the game, if I recall correctly, was it uh, Travis Hill intercepted Coy Detmer? First play. Yes. Yeah. yes. First, first play, play of the game. And when I rewatched it, not recently because I failed in my duties in five-part podcast, but when I watched on YouTube two months ago, <laughs> you had one that, uh, that pass rush in that game might be one of the best pass rushes I've ever seen in they they showed a stat. Uh, Alberts. They showed a stat late in that game. Um, Twelve knockdowns. I think it ended up being four interceptions, uh, six or seven sacks. Uh, you know, plenty more hurries. Uh, those black shirts were getting after it. I mean, that's putting it mildly. Yeah. And John, that was what I noticed from an X's and O's standpoint when I watched it. That was still when we were based out of the five two, but. In Nick or third down passing situations, we switched to the four three. The full time switch didn't come until ninety three, right? Yeah, yeah, I want to say that that's correct. But I mean, it would again. There, it, it would there take were some us, players. Go ahead. I I I think it was you know I. You have to recognize that Osborne, you know, through his through his career, innovated a lot, and, and oh, they yeah. changed, you know, depending upon what they were facing and the circumstances. I think a lot of people have this attitude that, you know, Nebraska football during the glory years was all triple option all the time, and it, it really wasn't. It was – there were a lot of things going on. And, uh, no. you know, his switch from the 5-2 to the 4-3 was really kind of predicated on making the next step. You know, they, they kept going down to Florida, and they kept losing the teams that – had more speed, and they weren't the same teams they were facing in the Big 8, the Big 12. So, you know, you look at yourself. You know, all these coaches say the same damn thing every year. We're going to do end-of-year evaluations. Well, you know, Osborne did that. I think he did it pretty Mm -hmm. well. 
course, at the time when you're losing every bowl game for God knows how many years in a row, uh, you know, everybody's – put it this way. I mean, the guy won nine games a year for his entire career. He never lost more than three. And this that pissed us all off. You know what I mean? You'd yeah, lose two nice games and you'd right be so that. angry. And I'm uh, to the point nowadays when – the Bo Pelini nine and four special looks pretty damn good on the menu. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. As you were talking, John, you were talking about the, uh, the evolution and the changes that Osborne was making with the game. Um, you know, and, and obviously Charlie McBride going from the five, two to the four, three, do you think that that coaching staff would have ever gone to a three, four? Do you think they would have said, well, if there's a need, we would? Or do you think that, that they would have trusted the the horses that they had to, you know, in, in the 4-3 to get the job done? Because when they were when they were running, that 4-3 that was a pretty stout machine. John, you mind if I take this one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, at that point, the 3-4 the was born out of the 5-2. Like the 3-4 as, as it continued on through the 90s in the NFL – it was just the five-two with a little bit of different personnel. Sure. Um, you, you had the nose, and they widened out the tackles a little bit to being ends and outside linebackers that could rush the passer and drop back into coverage. But um, at that point, because the five-two and the three-four were so similar, the four-three was the next step in the evolution of defending the spread. You know, you had Florida and the fun gun offense at that time, and. Leading up to that Colorado game in 92, Colorado had been running like kind of a quasi wishbone or eye bone kind of offense for, you know, under McCartney with guys like Darian Hagan, Sal on Nessie, and uh, I'm forgetting one. Cordell. Cordell Stewart. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we like, call him by his real name. name. It's uh, Cordell Deer in the Headlights, Stewart. <laughs> hey, didn't he play for your favorite team, Greg? Yeah, uh, Slash was uh, drafted as Steelers. And then um, what you were saying about Osborne, you know, end-of-year evaluations, the guy started running quarterback counterplays out of the shotgun in 1993. It was unheard of. And then, you know, Urban Meyer does it in 06, 07, now it's this big new thing. T.O. was on the cutting edge to such an extreme that there was spread elements he was running from 93 to 97 that became popular, you know, almost 15 years later in college football. Best offensive mind to ever live. Well, let's uh, refresh some memories uh, in case, you know, folks had forgotten. And that is that Nebraska uh, took Colorado to the woodshed, beating them 52 to seven in doing so, you know, Colorado had, uh, worked up a 25-game Big 8 unbeaten streak, and uh, it was it ended Nebraska's eight-game losing streak to top 10 opponents. And, uh, you know, both were, I think we talked about number eight in the AP poll uh, heading into the game. Uh, let's see. I, I think my favorite stat of the game was the rushing yards. 373. Any guesses on the – without looking, any guesses on, on what Colorado had uh, rushing in that I know game? this. Yeah, because he's got Wikipedia open. What? I did look it up. 
Go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, I looked it up earlier. I I did some pro. I I did some preparation. They had eight yards total rushing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a top ten team that the the Nebraska defense stopped to eight held to eight yards rushing, 144 yards total compared to Nebraska's 428. Um, you know, and that was at a time period where Colorado was just putting offensive linemen in the NFL left and right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, and full disclosure uh, to everybody listening, you, you know, every, by now everybody knows my, uh, uh, I don't know, pedigree or my coming of age as a Husker fan didn't happen until the mid-aughts, you know. So I've n- I'd never seen this game until I watched it over the last two nights. And I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat. Um, I split it up, you know, the first half I watched on, uh, what, what day is today? Thursday. So the first half I watched Tuesday night, second half I watched Wednesday night. Um, even got, you know, my, my wife and son were watching the the second half with me. He was just, he was excited for the game to be over so that he could watch cartoons. I said, no, no, we're going to watch this game. This is what Nebraska football was and what it will be again. Um, but you know, it's just one of the things that I, I think maybe my biggest takeaway is, you know, I think we hear so often about the speed of the game and how in 2020 it's so much faster, but you couldn't tell that watching Nebraska offensively or defensively, even special teams, they had a couple of nice returns uh, and Lord knows Colorado was punting enough. Um, But they were, they were booking it on the field. You had big, fast, powerful, you know, athletes, doing you know just just putting in the work i mean uh it, it was just, it was just fun to watch and, and fun to kind of stress-free you know uh everybody else in the world you know as far as husker fans have seen the game and and i'm just like you know all right i'm just gonna kick back and enjoy the game i had no idea i didn't even look up the score before i started watching it so i had no idea what the outcome was and so right out of the gate that first uh you know interception on the first uh play from scrimmage and a couple plays later they punch it in um, Jones did, and I'm, I'm just like, all right, that's got to be a good start, you know. Uh, I almost feel like I'm going to start live tweeting these games that I've never seen before and give them a, uh, you know, like a fresh, uh, you know, be like, hey, yeah, anybody else ever, ever wa- not watch these games? Let's let's relive it together. But um, yeah, so it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was, it, but I, again, I was impressed by the speed because I think we've been, you know, it's been pounded in our head over the last five years, ten years. The the speed of the game is has really picked up and, and just Nebraska just looked fast. Well, I think that when they say the speed of the game, they mean no huddle, how quick people are running off offensive that, yeah. plays. But one thing that I, one but, thing that plus, I'm always, plus Reuter, yeah, go, go ahead. how many offensive go. plays did Nebraska run in this game? Uh, I'm going to go with 73. Greg. I'm not even going to guess. 92. You want to talk about speed of the game. Normally, when you're looking at a spread offense, they're probably in the 80s, right, Haas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They ran 92 in a spread offense. Big deal. (laughs) So, so yeah, speed of the game. I mean, you either had to have – I mean, Colorado had to be giving up yardage kind of like, uh, you know – I'd make a French horror reference here, but Haas, Haas has better references than I do. I was going to say, like, Nebraska football has the past few years. 
Well, you didn't have to. Oh, yeah. They, well, that's, you got to smile through the pain. God, that makes me want to weep. Well, this is a happy time, you fucker. No, what I was going to say is T.O. started – he wasn't going – you know, obviously he never went no huddle. But what he was doing by the 90s, and there are a lot of games from the 90s on YouTube that the announcers talk about this, is that they'd huddle up just like three to four yards from the ball instead of the usual seven. And then they'd break the huddle and snap the ball with about 17 or 18 seconds left on the play clock. So That's close to a no huddle. It's, it's close to it, yeah. Uh, one thing that stands out to me when I've watched this game is guys like the starting center, who was all big eight for Nebraska in 1992, Jim Scott, weighed 260 pounds. Uh, Steve Carmer, who had an interception of Coy Detmer. Yep. That looks like somebody who'd be relegated to only special teams in modern college football, and the dude was balling his ass off in this game. B-A-L-L-I-N, not B-A-W-L-I-N. Um, the development that Nebraska football had back then, those two guys embody it better than anyone. I mean, you had a 260-pound all-big eight center, and you had, you know, a white safety from, I think, Wahoo, Nebraska, out there just making plays left and right against one of the top ten passing attacks in the country that year. Yeah. I, I want to. Um, we need that development again. I want to interject. You, you know who, in, in watching his his play, do you know who Steve Carmer uh, reminded me of? Matt O'Hanlon. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Just seem you know like again, homegrown boys, probably, you know, I don't know, easily could be overlooked. You know, type of thing, um, but but then you look at O'Hanlon's. You know, he, he had a pretty good career. I mean, he was uh, you know he was defensive MVP in the '09 uh, Pacific Like Holiday Bowl. Uh, he five, was three picks against Oklahoma. That's right. In uh, uh, in '09, uh, he was a Walter Camp and Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, he was Big 12 uh, Defensive Player of the Week in that same week, that same year. Uh, honorable mention, all Big 12 from the coaches and the Associated Press. I mean, he, he, you know, and that's not even including, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving off the academic stuff of which he was, you know, accomplished there as well, including honor roll, things like that. But he, he just seemed like he was, uh, you know, a quiet leader who, who went about his business. So. Matt Halen's probably one of the best safeties we've had in the past, well, 10, 15 years. I got no problem with um, that. Yeah, you know what always drove me nuts when people blamed him for the play against at Virginia Tech in 09 when Tyrod Taylor hit that bomb? Mm -hmm. It wasn't his fault. Anthony West, you know, didn't – he bit on an underneath route instead of carrying the vertical route and – uh Matt O'Hanlon, I mean, I would have hated to have been him for, you know, almost two months before his shot at redemption because I remember how much people hated him around here during that time. It wasn't his fault, though. Just like Robin Williams told Matt. Uh, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. I'm, yeah, I'm drawing Matt, a blank. On Matt Damon. Matt Damon, thank you. I was going to say Matt Dillon. Um, <laughs> it's not your fault. Don't say that, man. Not you. Uh, 92, 92 that was uh, the year of the Weebacks. John, tell us about the Weebacks. 
was Derek Brown and Calvin join join good tell grief. Us about your I didn't even have that much to drink yet but John, uh, tell us about was, your about the Weebacks, Calvin Jones and uh, Derek Brown, and you know they were they split their time at the I back position, and you really uh, I I want to say you couldn't tell one from the other, but they were both they both deserved to be on the field, and they both you know got their time on the field, and it 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 was kind of neat, you know, just the way everybody stopped calling them I backs and started calling them the Weebacks. It was more of the team representation. You know. Well, it, it was Jones who had the first touchdown off that interception, and then he had uh, his second touch of the game was like a 43 or 47-yard touchdown. Where he drops the ball before he actually crosses yeah. the goal line? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was funny that the announcers pointed that out, and that's the stuff that now you're going to see the red challenge flag. That's something else that it, it was kind of fun to go back and rewatch this game from 1992 because – there were some pile-on tackles. There were some probably late hits, out of bounds, things like that, some contact. There was contact with the uh, Colorado punter on the nearly blocked punt. And that, all that stuff is, you know, they're throwing the flag now uh, for it and, you know, automatic first downs, things like that. I almost – because I'm so ingrained with, you know, the 21st century rule book, I, I was waiting for them to throw the flag on, on you know, like running into the kicker. Yeah, just no Nebraska ball the other end of the field, and I said, "Well, that's what happens to me when I watch a lot of old games." I'm like, "Oh shit, that's a penalty nowadays." Never well, how about Will Shield? We we've overlooked the best part of this game: Will Shields on the fumble ruski. Well, that's right. How many yards was that? I don't know, like twelve, maybe sixteen yards on a third and four play. Oh, you, just wow. that up. you can't run those yeah. legally anymore, can you? No, and you know what? Damn it, they should still be legal. They should. If you're willing to fumble the football intentionally and put it in the hands of an offensive lineman, you should be able to do whatever you please. All right, here we go. I, I think I missed that part. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play the clip real quick. Yeah. I should say as, as quickly as it'll let me. Okay. You rescue my ten. Volume up for our listeners, man. Third down at four. The Cornhuskers. It doesn't pay off. Will Shields has got the football. Will <laughs> fumble Ruski on that play. That's, that's so, you could have a 10-man or 11-man front on that play because nobody expected Will Shields to get the ball. That's, that's, that was so smooth. I didn't even realize when I was watching it. You know, I keep talking because I'm watching the slow-mo replay now. Cause. Okay, I want you to notice something about this play that you might have missed. The, the audio is going to be on this, right? Uh, yeah, it just was, yeah. Notice how the announcer doesn't completely freak out. He doesn't go, oh, my God, it's a fumble ruski. He says, it's the old fumble ruski, as in, oh, my, we've seen this from time to time. You know what I mean? It was a play that people – they didn't use it all the time. We call it a gimmick play, but it wasn't all that shocking either. But when you watch it now in a game, you go, what the hell is that? I'm going to play it again for fun. Four. Back 
Bumblebees. Come on, Huskers. And it doesn't pay off. Will Shields has got the football. Will <laughs> Bumblebee on that play? Yeah, that needs to be on a T-shirt. It's, de- it's definitely a, a, a declaration, not a not a surprise. You know, that needs to go on a T-shirt. Just the old fumble ruski. Well, I would, but nobody's buying the T-shirt. It'd be you looking for a date. That's what that would be about. <laughs> Pow! <laughs> Zoom. You know, John. I want to laugh, but that doesn't even make sense. God. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I love me some Trev Alberts, by the way. I walked by him once on my way to class, you know, since he's the AD at UNL. Tall dude. Yeah, John Perella was defensive tackle. Loved that guy. Uh, Bear Miles was an incredible cornerback. Uh, let's see, Tony Valen, free safety, another really great guy to watch. Toby Wright. You know, they're just uh, players. You know, I mean, there's a lot of younger players on this team well, that people would come to know. Uh, what later about Terry Keneally? Like, he was a big boy. Yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, hell, I can look at Wikipedia too, John. All right, here we go. No, let's talk about this. This is no, important. I'm pulling these right out of my memory. Well, we know that's not the case. Listen, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, buddy. Talking about young guys, true freshman number 15 in your uh, program, number one in your hearts in 1992, 93, 94, 95, Tommy Frazier. Touchdown. That's all. I guess. No, I, rem- I remember some of these guys. I remember how we just, uh, Tyrone Hughes. You know, I am looking at the names, and they do ring a bell. Corey Dixon was, you know, the Corey Dixon was probably most famous play was the fake uh, call against him and against Florida State that cost us national title and a punt return because, you know, when you went down south and you played in their fucking Orange Bowl games and you play bowl games in the south without replay of moderate equipment, you got screwed all the time by those people in the south because that's what they do to people. And how does that make you feel, John? Oh, my God. You have no idea what it was like to go watch our team play like Miami in their home stadium or Florida State in their home state. All, all, every year, LSU, play them down south when you're being jobbed by these. Dave Remington got called for offsides one time, for God's sakes, in a bowl game. Against Clemson? You explain to me how that's a call. It, I, first time I'm hearing this one. I have no words. All right. I feel like I've heard about that. Um, you no, know, that was for false start, right? Or offside? No. Offsides. We call up Dave Remington right now. I wish we could. Could we? Yeah. we have his number? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, what else? I, you know, I brought up the uh, – I brought up Corey Dixon in the – was it 1994 Orange Bowl with Florida State? That game was one of the best games in a national title game that's never been recognized by anyone who ever watched it as a great national title game. And the sole reason for that, because the officiating was so fucking one-sided that nobody would look at that game again and go, that was a fair game. Because hey, they John, I've, I've never watched that game. 
start to finish. I've seen clips of it. Even knowing the final result and your anger, should I go back and watch that one on YouTube at some point? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you why people should watch that game. Uh, to bask in the glory of how nice it is to have instant replay and review? Well, that would be one reason. Uh, there's a few things about that game. There is a play. First of all, I'll tell you this. I do, I, I do have a memory somewhat, Greg. And I, I probably said this before. It irritated me that, like, two weeks before that game, Lee Corso is on ESPN, and he's talking about how Nebraska is so slow that Florida State is going to destroy them in that game. And he, he, lit, he has a clip on ESPN where he's showing Nebraska – losing coverage on like a Kansas State wide receiver. And Lee Corso makes the comment, they, if that's Florida State, that guy's completely gone. He's going to be gone on every day. These Nebraska defensive backs will never keep up with Florida State at all in this game. This will be a, you know, Nebraska's going to get slaughtered. 21-point uh, underdogs going into that game. There is a play in that game, if I remember it correctly, where Abdul Muhammad – who is a wingback for Nebraska is coming across the middle of the field and he, he is a wingback, but he blows up a Florida state defensive back just explodes him because you could do that shit back then. Right now we'd all look at it and go, that's targeting and that's horrible. And it's a cheap shot. Like the, the Kenny thing Bell is, is you, you have to realize Nebraska went down there for years and they were out athleticized if that's a term. And, they were outplayed, and they were outgunned. And in that play, on that one single play, you could almost feel – at that time, you could kind of feel the world go, this is a different Nebraska than we're used to playing because Abdul Muhammad destroyed this guy. And we all looked at that as Abdul Muhammad stood over him and kind of – we all went, uh, we're not the same fucking Nebraska team that we were before. And you could see a change in the attitude in Nebraska. And I do remember at the end of that game, <clears throat> I was at my in-laws' house in, uh, in near Farnham, Nebraska. Byron Bennett is lining up for the kick. And I turned and I looked at my wife and I said, you know what, it doesn't even matter if he makes it. And my wife said, you're drunk. And I said, no, it really doesn't matter. And what I meant by that is you could tell that the attitude in Nebraska football had changed, that they were going to go down to Florida after that, and they were going to start kicking ass and taking names. And Byron Bennett got blamed for that, missing that field goal. But you could just see that there was something different about Nebraska, that they were ready to become a team that they'd never been before. And then after that, of course, we had the historic five-year run. Uh, 60 and three record, I think, over five years. Was <laughs> I'm getting all like, I'm gonna, <sighs> like, uh, I'm, not to, I'm not ready to be on the verge of tears because, uh, <laughs> I've never seen know, anything like that. I'm so just so I, glad I do we're doing this video this stuff, now because you know? it's so much fun to watch John. He gets so animated <laughs> and so excited. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go get another Guinness. Do we have to I, take I'm a break? Year too. Do we need to take a break? <laughs> I, I guess so. I just want to ask you, in, in regards to that missed field goal by Bennett, uh, were the laces in? I don't know. With that crappy old TV, you couldn't see shit. It's so much better watching games on HD and, you know, Dude, even stuff since like, like, even since like 2009, 
I, I think back to games from like back then, and the quality was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like Phil, like game replays because ESPN's showing a lot of them now from back then because they got nothing else to show. The, that film's starting to show its age. Yeah. But, and you're kind of amazed that they don't like, you know, they can take like photographs and do pixel mapping and do all this stuff and clean it up and stuff. And you, you kind of look at that and you go, uh, why haven't they done some of this? So let's take a break. And I would, well, wait a minute. I'll, I'll bring up one more thing. What is amazing about this is this. They, we're in this time where we don't have any sports and, and we're doing this now with the 92 Colorado game. We could be doing this. There are so many treasures in the history of sports, but you have to go seek them and find them, right? Mm-hmm. Why in the hell hasn't BTM or, or, or anybody, why doesn't somebody have a catalog or a library that you can go back and just, I mean, we'd all, we would all give money to, like, I don't know, Nebraska or Colorado to watch games from 1978. But yeah, nobody Nebraska has apparently that catalog or that availability of that stuff. That's if amazing. Nebraska football need to raise some cash just to make a subscription service for the coaches' film. I'd be I'd pay a hundred bucks a month for that, then cancel it, it after a month. I think you could have done it up until about what was it 2010 when we uh, or 2011 when we left the Big 12, and because you can't you can't put Nebraska's library on on a Big Ten network. Great. Um, in can, internet. They show some of the worst games on Big Ten Network, replaying them. Well, I mean, you, you can't show you can't show them all on. There are the tons that's joining the. You, yeah, you're you're gonna not you're not gonna have access to everything that they had, you know, in the Big Eight, uh, Big Twelve days. Um, no, no, no. You're talking about watching it on a network. I'm talking about paying Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, to stream the rights to have a giant catalog of games that they have, that they own the rights to, and just me giving them, I don't know, 20 bucks a month and going, hey, you want to watch the, you want to relive the 1987 Nebraska-Oklahoma game that we lost 17-7? to Yes, I do. That was my last Oklahoma game in college, even though we lost. I still love that game. I would love to watch that game again. I would love you to give you money for me to stream that game again so I could be young. Okay. All right. John's going to find some of his liquid youth. Uh, Haas is going to find his liquid wisdom, and I'm just going to go take care of some liquids. And we'll be back as the Five Heart Podcast returns after this. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, the Tripod Intact, Greg Mahochko, Haas Reuter, John Dam Johnston. And uh, now that we're all back from the break, John, another Guinness for you? Yes. All right. I'm just kind of clarifying what everybody's drinking. Haas, I, I, I think you were uh, branding a, a can of Coors Banquet. Good stuff. And I'm drinking from the uh, – I'm just I'm I'm drinking a summer shandy from Line and Kugels. So always a solid choice. Can't go wrong. No. I no no. I mean, if it was 90 degrees and about 70 percent humidity, summer shandy would be fine. But it, it's not 90 degrees and 
and if the COVID was gone. Well, let me let me tell you yeah. let me tell you why I'm enjoying it, John. It's in the house. <laughs> I didn't have to go out and get it. It was brought to me. That's a good point. You know, these are I'm down to my last two Guinnesses. You're gonna have to fight the winos off in the alley for uh, I don't know for some half half emptied bottle of uh, Boone's Farm or something. I do have some cough syrup with codeine in it here. <laughs> I don't think, oh, I don't think you're supposed to admit to that. Make some lean with that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll go well with a Guinness. Anyway, where were we? Are we done talking about the 92 Colorado Nebraska game? Or is there any more meat on that bone? Well, it was an ass kick in 52 to 7. I think it was amazing. I mean, it was, you know, how much tension you, you had going into it because Colorado beat us, what, in 1989, 1990, they won their national title by cheating at Missouri. And then uh, 1991, we beat them. 92, we squished them into the ground. And then, uh, you know, the week after that, we went to Kansas. And Kansas was number 13 at the time. Uh, come on, who was the coach for them? Glenn Mason. Huh? Yes. I liked Glenn Mason. I've always liked Glenn Mason. I mean, Horrible he's kind of a – What's that? Horrible announcer for BTN. Really? I kind of enjoyed. I can't stand him. He's just wow. sound of his voice. But we go into number 13, Kansas, and we annihilate them 49-7. to And then the following week on November 14th, we go to Ames, Iowa. And Ames, Iowa doesn't have their starting quarterback. And you go into that game – and you're thinking, we just smoked two teams by the combined score of over 100 points uh, to 14. What is it, 101 to 14? I'm not good at math anymore. And we're going into Ames, and we're thinking, uh, we're going to just stomp the living shit out of these guys. And uh, that is not what turns out what happens. What happened, John? Well, what happened to me is that you guys know Todd from our website – Mm -hmm. Todd and Tammy and me and my eight-month pregnant wife go to this football game. Okay? Early in the game, we kick off, I think, after a score, and the, goal, the ball goes through the uprights. It's, you miss those days of kicking, huh? And <laughs> I have a beer, can of beer in my hand, and I – I don't put it down. I just jump up and I go, you know, touchdown or touchback or something like this. And the reason why I didn't put it down is I looked at my right and this woman to my right literally is sitting with her legs crossed and she has a wine bottle of Bartles and James, which was the wine cooler at that time. And she's just sitting out there and we're in the front row of the upper deck, the, like the second deck up. And we're just sitting out there, and there literally are open bottles of vodka. There's no, like, Boda bags. When you went to a Nebraska game, you carried a Boda bag. Do you know what a Boda bag is? I'm aware. Okay, for listeners who don't know what a Boda bag is, it's, it's like a soft leather bag that when you place alcohol in it, and place it close to your body, like under one of your armpits, because it has a strap on it, and they – like pat you down 
on the outside of your clothing, they can't fill the boat a bag full of whiskey under your left arm. All right, that's how it works. <clears throat> Iowa State, there's no boat of bags. There's people with open bottom, vodka bottles and, you know, the woman to my right with a wine cooler. But when I jump up with this beer can in my hand, this Iowa State policeman comes and yells at me and he goes, hey, buddy, you and your can are out of here. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you are thrown out of this game. And I said, for what? And he goes, for bringing alcohol in the stadium. And I said, like, I'm the only person here with alcohol. And he goes, you're the only person I've seen. And I said, you must have pretty selective vision. And I'm getting really kind of like excited. And the police officer, because I'm excited, is getting much more excited. And we're walking toward each other. And that's when my friend Todd stepped between us and started pushing me toward the, you know, the exit or the, the aisle thing where you walk out of the stadium. And I'm still yelling at this police officer about the fact that there's alcohol over. Literally three minutes before this happened, I watched an Iowa State student stand up and throw an empty bottle at his own band in the crowd. A bottle, not, not a plastic container, but a bottle. Okay, like a fifth, like a fifth of whiskey bottle. And thankfully, it didn't hit anybody hard or anything like that. But that was stuff that just happened during games sometimes. So, you know, as I'm pushing, he's, my Todd is pushing me out the stadium or pushing me to go downstairs. Uh, you know, the last thing the police officer says to me, if you come back in the stadium, you're going to jail. And I'm walking out and Todd just goes, you know, go back to this friend. He had, we, he had a friend of his house that we were at before the game. So just go back, watch the game there. We'll find you after the game. Everything will be fine. And I'm like, I'm walking down the stairs, and I'm really pissed off because Nebraska is not playing well in this game. A little bit before that, what had happened, John Perella, I named him earlier, defensive tackle, went and sacked their backup quarterback, Marv Sealer. Okay? Marv Sealer. And when he sacked him, he got up and pointed both fingers at him like a gun, and he was flagged for a personal foul penalty. Now, okay, at that time in football, that was kind of a weak personal foul call because he didn't hit him particularly hard, especially for those days. But we're all kind of like, you get this foreshadowing going on where you're kind of like, this is not going to be the day we thought it was. As I'm walking out of the stadium, all right, I'm thinking there's probably 40 exits to this place. This fucking police officer can't cover them all. And as I'm walking out of the stadium, I have to relieve myself. So I go down to the porta potties and the end zone, and I'm around a bunch of Iowa State frat guys who are just bombed, you know. And I go in, I use the porta potty, I start talking to them before I go into the porta potty. Use the porta potty, come out. One of them grabs me and he goes, Hey, man, why don't you just come sit with us? And I'm thinking, Where, where are you sitting? He goes, We're down here in the end zone. Just come and sit with us, man. We'll have a lot of fun. Of course, they had shit tons of alcohol. And they're all just blasted out of their minds. So here I am with all of these Iowa State frat students, right? By myself as a 29, then I was 29. I gave that away. Nebraska fan. And one of the plays during this game, what's that? You were my age? Yeah. Yeah. With an eighth-month pregnant wife who's now so unbelievably pissed off that I didn't bring this game up for years in my house. And before we started this podcast, I I looked at her and I said, 
do you know what else happened in 1992? Because I literally, if I ever brought this up, she would be pissed off for three days. Ten years late, 20, you know how women do that. They go, fuck yeah. it, son of a bitch in Iowa State game. You know that? Yeah. Remember that game? Anyway, I'm, I'm down in the end zone, and all these frat guys are sharing their alcohol with me. One of the plays that happens, because Nebraska is trying to come back in this game, and it's getting kind of desperate because we, we literally kicked the shit out of two ranked teams, just m- annihilated them, and now we're losing to a backup quarterback in Iowa State, for God's sakes. Marvin Sealer takes off on a run toward us, and because we're down in the end zone, we're literally almost at field level, and I'm screaming, and the Iowa State guys are screaming that Marvin Sealer, this freaking guy that's their – I don't know, he probably ran the 40 is about as fast as me. He's just open and running down the field, and they're screaming for him to score, and I'm screaming they're going to catch him. And I think they caught him about the three-yard line. But he scores like three plays later, okay? The end of the game's coming, and it's clear that Nebraska is not going to win this game. And I start yelling at all these frat guys. I said, because they go, why are the police officers starting to come around the edges of the field? And I tell them, I said, that's because you're going to get down to the edge of the field and you're going to tear the goalpost down because this is going to be the greatest victory of your lives. And they're like, what? I said, we're going down to the edge of the field, you fucking bastards. You know, I'm just yelling at them. I'm just saying, no, we're all going together. And I said, here's the key to this and how it works. When we jump over this fence, because there's a chain link fence about five feet tall, and on the other side of it, this is line of police officers. I said, we all have to go over the fence at once. We all of us, all together, have to go over the fence at the same time. If we don't go over the fence at the same time, if one or two of us do it, they're going to pick off one or two of them. You're going to get arrested and be drug away. We all do it at the same time. They can't do anything to all of us. And they're like, yeah, 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 woo. And they're screaming and yelling. We all, I'm like, and then I yell now, and we all jump over this fence at the same time, right? And then, of course, Iowa State wins. And we rush out onto the field, and there I am with a whole bunch of drunk Iowa State frat kids tearing down Iowa State's goalpost after they beat Nebraska. And I'm out in the middle of, you know, ripping down one of the goalposts. And I their, their goalposts were not like Nebraska's in 1982 that I tore down. <clears throat> a goalpost is extremely hard to tear down. These goalposts went over like I, your mom, Haas. That's how easy they went over. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I flipped me off in the Zoom video. I see that. But they just fell over, right? But in the middle of tearing them down, one of the frat guys is right next to me as we're dragging this goalpost down. And he looks at me and he goes, you're the Nebraska guy. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, this is the coolest day of my life. And then, I, you know, they, we get the goalpost down, right? And uh, I still have my camera with me, and I have photos of this someplace. But these guys are carrying this around the stadium, and I see them because I went off, and guess what I did? I found my police officer down on the field and he's walking toward me and he's reaching down. You know what I mean? He's reaching down to his side. He's not going to pull a gun, but he's got a club or mace or something. And I looked at him, I pointed my camera and I said, I'm just pointing, I'm just taking pictures of this great day for you here at Iowa state. I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible because I know my wife already wants me dead. If I go to jail, 
uh, you know, that's going to be like, he wants me deader, you know? And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, he finally goes, okay, you know, take your pictures. You know, he, he relaxes because I relax. You don't escalate with a police officer. You escalate with a police officer. You did what happened to me before. You get, you're going to jail, buddy, you know? So I turn around and I see the guys I was with parading this goalpost around the stadium, okay? And I run up to him and I scream at him. And I said, what the fuck are you doing? And the one guy in the lead, he goes, what do you mean? We got the goalpost. And I said, yeah. And I said, look at the other goalpost. And the other goalpost is at the other end, surrounded by police officers after it's been torn down and confiscated. I said, you take this fucking goalpost and you run it out of the stadium and you run it down to, I can't remember where all the bars are in names. But I, I say, you run it down there. And then what you do is you take it someplace and you cut it into pieces so that each one of you gets a piece of this goalpost because you're going to remember this day for the rest of your lives. And that, that pretty much is uh, the Iowa State story, other than the fact that I think I already mentioned, I haven't been able to bring up this game for years in my house without uh, the missus getting pissed off at me all over again. I'm really I'm surprised. Uh, I'm getting you know, no I talked a long time. I'm watching, you know, end, I'm, think... I'm, I'm watching the end of it now. I'm just looking for John. The oh, there goes game. there goes the uh there goes the goalpost. John Are you is serious? among the huddled masses, yeah. Okay, well if there's a red hatted guy out there. Well for, for crying out loud. A guy wearing a red You know tons of there are tons of red hats. Or at least red you know, I can't th- make it up. All I know I is that we're all this- we're all extremely disappointed in you. I think this sick. <laughs> This podcast through this whole thing should just become John telling fireside chats of games that he was at. So, John, get a list of games that you were at. We'll watch them, and then we'll ask about your experience of being at said game. Um, I like that. And, and you know who, who's done oh that? Oh, my but, God. You, you, we could you know invite who? Todd on. We could invite other guests, too, if other people want to come on and tell their stories, don't you think, Greg? Actually, a really fucking good idea. I think we just had uh, here's 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 the thing. If uh, me telling some of these stories, I'm really careful. Uh, most of the time, I don't want to get sued. Okay, that's good. Because you guys, you guys know I wrote the, write the stupid stories on my website, right? And uh, there's stories on my website. There, people like. They send me emails and they go, why don't you tell this story? Why don't you tell this story? My answer back to them is always because uh, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> they'll, they'll be okay. only above board stories. Yeah. Well, what was it? I, I saw this because uh, for those of you not in the know, and I'm probably sharing too much here, but John and I, not only do we congregate and, uh, and converse on, on Zoom or Skype once a week, but we're also Facebook friends. And so in the sharing of his last silly story or stupid story or however he categorized it, one of the comments of his Facebook friends on it was, why do, why, why do all of these stories include the line, and I almost died? I'm not, I, uh, 
I don't think I should answer that on this podcast right now. This is enough for one, isn't it? I, I think so. Uh, I also have no idea how long we've been recording because my recording device uh, or my recording program stopped recording like 50 minutes ago. Uh, so that's why I'm recording the Zoom. Really? I mean, no, we're, we still no, got it. The- I'm recording the Zoom chat and then I'll, I'll – oh, Okay. It's an added step, but I, I can't – I couldn't tell you how long this, this call has been going on. And I'm all right with it. This has been a lot of fun. Um, so any any anything more to discuss uh, – uh, about that 92 Colorado Nebraska game. <laughs> <laughs> next, next game. will I, I will watch it now that things are settling down. It was, uh, well, after, the, after the Iowa state game, after the Iowa state game, we went back, we beat the shit out of Oklahoma 33 to nine. Then we played Kansas state and Tokyo. That's and no, I didn't get to go to that. I mean, that would have been a pipe dream to, you know, with an eight-month kid coming on the way uh, to go to Tokyo. And then we lost to Florida State 27-14 in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I, I just look, to... On a personal note, on a personal note, uh, my wife and I bought our first house on December 1st, and our son was born on December 30th. And he is a... He is a beautiful son. He he is an excellent artist. He has a beautiful singing voice. Uh, is that Rotten like, Son? <clears throat> nope that's that's the third one. That's the third child. The Rotten the Son didn't come along until a little while later. This one's not rotten at all. I was say Rotten Son's the one. Except, and I don't know if he's listening to this, but Rotten Son's the one who you don't really have anything positive to say about ever. You chopped up a lot there. I was going to say, Rotten Son is the one uh, who you don't have anything positive to say about any, ever. Oh, that's not. Do I never <laughs> say anything positive about him? No, I'm kidding. I was joking. It was a joke. Um, all right, so real quick before we go, um, the, the day after. You know the uh, best thing about him is? What? He doesn't live at home. <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad uh, so on All Souls Day, the Feast of All Souls, November 1st, 1992, the Omaha World Herald sports front page, Huskers trample Buffaloes. Now, that's fine. That's what we expected. But two uh, sections at the very bottom of the front page, one, uh, the, the headline on the article is Powers Pitching Offers to Wood Rivers Frost. And it discusses 10 uh, schools who have offered or, you know, virtually, if not, you know, definitely offered Scott Frost. Nebraska, Stanford, of course, Colorado State, Brigham Young, Fresno State, Washington, Arizona State, Wyoming, Colorado, Notre Dame. So that's kind of cool. You see the, uh, the time. Here's what I did not know about Scott Frost and his high school uh, playing career. And uh, if you all knew this, and you, you know, and I didn't, shame on me. I guess you, you can wag your finger at me. Um, but after this is minor details, but he was at one point only the third high school player nationally to reach ten thousand yards of total offense. That seems like a pretty outrageous number, um, and. So that that's a little tidbit on Scott Frost. 
my favorite part, I think, of this front page from November 1st, 1992, Omaha World Herald sports page. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference, MVC for short, is pondering its basketball image. And in it, it has uh, a uh, the 91-92 overall records for the Missouri Valley Conference. Southern Illinois is at the top. Indiana State is at the bottom. But towards the bottom, with an overall record of 9-19 and 19, and a conference record of 2-7 and seven, up the road from Lincoln in the sister city of Omaha is Creighton. They were 2-7 and seven in, the, uh, in, in conference play. So, yikes. It makes me happy to see. Um, and of course, that well, was you got to remember for for years Creighton was not they were not they were terrible basketball. Well, yeah, but that was before they started cheating. It was. So, uh, I, I think it's amazing that Creighton has gotten better and Nebraska's kind of stayed the same. I do hope that that changes under Fred Hoiberg. We'll have to see what the future holds. Sounds like a terrific. Give us our sports back. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a terrific topic for the Of Bangerings and Daggers podcast with Kevin Knight. <laughs> it does. <laughs> All right, I think that'll uh, put a bow on this episode. We hope that you uh, enjoyed it. We're actually going to take your recommendations for games that we should watch. And uh, especially if you have, uh, especially if you were there and partook of it live in person, and maybe if you want to uh, be brave enough to join us some work night, week night, and, uh, and talk, share your experiences with us after we have an opportunity to watch the game. Oh, we, you know, just drop it in the comments. And uh, your name, name doesn't have to be Todd, but you're not going to lose any points if it is Todd. Um, we're going you could to- use your voice. Yeah, uh, except nobody used your voice for so long that that phone number actually expired, and I got to find a new phone number. Oh. So. I didn't even call it to, to, to save the number. <laughs> I just I just had a memory of the time I prank called it as Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, we all knew that was you, Hoss. I just spoiler alert. It wasn't a very good impression. No. Well, that and you told me, hey, I'm gonna call the number. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Nope. You're right. All right. So we've been talking long. People enough. do people do need a way to contact us. We we need to. I mean, oh. we're on. We're, we use this one to record on Zoom, right? So. Yeah. Zoom is everywhere. Zoom is everything. Uh, people can easily join us on Zoom. Everybody knows how to use Zoom. And Zoom is like Elvis. And we're still on other other social medias. I just got to find a new phone number. Don't worry about it. I'm on it. I'm on the case. By next week, we'll have a new phone number for use your voice. And, uh, and that's it. We've been talking so long that... You can uh, contact I'll, us on our Facebook page. I just said that. I said our other social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. Anything else, John? I don't know. I'm thinking about driving around to towns in western Nebraska and just going up to people and asking them shit. Okay. I mean, that's going to well, be a long be drive. Because you live – That wouldn't be very good social distancing, would it? It depends. I mean, I have to knock on doors occasionally for my job, so I just knock on the door and step back. Nobody wants to be crowded at the front door, John, anyway, so. You do that. You let me know. Yeah, see it as a threat. You let me know if you uh, take the Western Nebraska tour. I've got a few addresses that you can stop. Okay, by. you remember that line? You remember that line that uh, uh, a friend of mine said about why are all your stories? 
end up with you being almost dead. Yeah. Okay. I, I will. This would be the last thing I say before we go. There are people in, in your lives, everybody that's listening, you know these people. They can go through their lives getting away with whatever they want. And they, get, they can be the smoothest talkers. They can be the, the cleanest guys in the world. You can be amazed at how they can get away with shit. You know, I can get away with shit in certain, certain situations, but throughout my entire life, I have been a person who, for example, would walk up to a door and notice that without saying a word or what I'm doing or just being myself when I was a younger man, notice that the security guard would always motion his hand to his hip. And if I was talking to a police officer, he would always motion his hand to his hip. Always. And I have always recognized that. Okay. Why are you so abrasive, John? I'm not abrasive. I just, I just, there's, I've only had three beers. There's just things that I think we live with that the universe marks us as, right? Just like this guy's a troublemaker. That guy's a perfect human being. That guy's made a Teflon. This guy is not. I just, I don't know what these markers come from. Maybe they come from God. Maybe they come from the simulation. We're all living in together. But they just, aura. Some people call it aura. My sister has crystals. She would talk about aura. I'm taking the podcast way off the rails here. We should just quit now. Well, if, if anything, they're probably afraid of your doubling down on flannel. <laughs> Nobody else can see this, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's right. I will say this. My, my, my rotten son gave me this robe for Christmas, and I have to tell you, the honest to God truth is when I work at home, I wear a robe about 90% of the time. I honest to God do. I have two robes. This is my favorite flannel. It's a beautiful lumberjack red in case you don't get to see this on any kind of, it's not a flannel shirt. It's a flannel robe. It's very comfortable. I, I, and I can force push people. So just for, for the listeners at home, go to, coronation.com and go to the Facebook post for the five heart episode or five heart podcast episode 172. It's the show that we did with uh, uh, Pat and Tweety from the big red Cobcast, And I took a screenshot of all five of us on the, on, on zoom. And that is the robe. John's wearing it again tonight, but, but there are only two professions that you can wear a robe to work. And one of them is John doing it work from home. And the other is like the oldest profession. So I'm just glad. Hugh Hefner wore, Hugh Hefner wore robes quite a bit. And do you know what Hugh did? He sold. You know Hugh so I'm just saying I am in my mind. Whoa. You know what you okay. could, I, I'm not, I don't want to draw any parallels to what you could be doing. Uh, while we're not talking on anyway, um, that's a disgusting thought, and I need my God, Greg. That's it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, just be part of the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or coordination.com. And uh, yeah, drop us a, a note, drop us a comment on what game we should watch next. And if you were there, and we would like to you know, leave that in the comment suggestion box as well. 
and maybe we'll uh, uh, make it so that you can join the tripod right here on the Five Heart Podcast. For Hoss Reuter, for John Dam Johnston, I am Greg Mahachko. We remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Pray that we have a damn season. <laughs>